Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon. And as ever, I wish you a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. Um, it's great to be back here. And just off air before we started today's episode, I was just uh, talking to our guest who's going to join me in uh, a couple of seconds time. I was fumbling my way through buttons because once again, it, it seems to be uh, uh, several weeks, almost months since I, since I last recorded. Um, it might not feel like that with the episodes that we're putting out every week, but obviously a lot of them are pre-recorded in advance and um it is great you may hear the excitement in my voice because i I, I get sort of genuinely excited when i see a podcast day in the diary after a period of time away from it and it's uh it's nice to be back behind the microphone and and welcome along everybody and um and on today's uh podcast we're going to be talking about brand experiences huge business obviously it represents a a really big chunk of the live events industry now and with every week and month and year that passes it gets more sophisticated um, and it gets far more I suppose interactive um, and we're going to take a bit of a dive into t- t- today uh, to an agency and with a guest who's been on the podcast before uh, to tell us a little bit about a project that they have been working on. Dax Colner is the strategy director for Smile and Dax I'm sure it's uh, well. First of all, a very good morning and welcome back to the podcast. And for our podcast followers, we'll no doubt recognise you from being on on previous uh, episodes of the podcast, and indeed in, in joining some of the Event Tech Live um, discussions um, over the last yeah. couple of years. Good to have you back on the podcast. Welcome along. Nice to see you. Um, as I said, we're, we're talking a little bit about brand experiences um, and that journey, that story, the. I suppose that the, the script that could be put together to help brands identify with their audiences and with their target audiences and really give those audiences an experience that, that brings them in into direct contact with the brand itself. You guys have recently um, undertaken um, something for uh, a significant client. It was the National Grid Investor Day. And that's going to mm. form, I suppose, the start point of our conversation today, Dax. Tell us a little bit about that particular project and first of all, how it came about. Uh, sure. So I think, you know, how it came about for us as an agency was really interesting and unique and actually is a model, I think, for a lot of the work we're doing with clients and new clients uh, specifically. What happened was um, we were in the midst of the pandemic and Smile was doing some innovative things in virtual experiences. And we went and we were sharing some of the work with National Grid. We had a prior relationship. You don't need to know the details, but we went in there um, virtually, of course, because we were not able to meet and shared with them some cool work. And the investor relations team at Grid said, we really love this stuff. We And we want to reinvent how we approach our Capital Markets Day, which is the same thing as Investors Day, mm-hmm. um, how we talk to shareholders, essentially, in our in our analyst community. Would you guys be willing to work on just a strategic and creative project to figure this out? Meaning no promise that we're going to do anything you propose or that we'll (laughs) even work with Smile on the project, but we will pay you not a lot, but enough to to get some strategic expertise and creative ideation from you. And so we were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Um, and so that's how it came about. We started off with just a scope of work that was our time to sit with them, work with them, truly understand their brand, their message, and help them rethink how they would bring that to life. 
by the way, coming out of the pandemic for a hybrid event experience, the first I think that they had ever done. And one of the first that Smile had done in true hybrid fashion, you know, mm. we've done, we've web, we've streamed content out of physical events in the past, like everybody has, but to do something that felt truly unique and hybrid in, in how we bring virtual and physical audiences together for a live experience, this was a unique opportunity to think that out. Um, so what did we do? Well, I will say that because it was the investor relations team at National Grid, they have a corporate function, and that gave us amazing access to stakeholders in their business. So when we think about brand experience, you have to think first, what is a brand? Like, what is the brand? What are they all about? Where are they going? What's the future of the brand? And when we heard or worked, when we looked at National Grid, we thought, this doesn't seem that sexy or cool, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the but the IR team is like we want to be we want to break the mold we want to do something different so we're like all right we're all in let's do this so we ended up talking to a range of stakeholders in and outside the business we interviewed people in the company we interviewed analysts and others um, to get a sense for what was going on at National Grid and in their world and I will tell you. I am now a super fan. Like I, one of the things that we uncovered, I think, with National Grid is, well, a couple of things. One is there's a lack of clarity amongst their audiences around what type of organization they, they are, what they do, how they operate. There's a lot of complexity there. So one of the things we knew we had to do was simplify. How do we make this more digestible? Mm. Yes, there are shareholders who have been investing in National Grid for 30 years. You know, they know because they've been around it. But if we're bringing energy and enthusiasm and new audiences to this, we have to explain it to them in a way that they understand. And I'm a total dummy when it comes to utilities. Like, and I'm American. And National Grid is a UK-based, you know, organization. I had, I, I had no clue, but that was useful because I was asking sure. the dumb questions, you know, the dumb questions led me to simple. I've, I've built this podcast on dumb questions. So you're well, talking exactly. to the right man. You get it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you do ask a lot. Of, anyway, so we um, asked all these dumb questions and, and sought to simplify their message and their business. And the other thing that was uncovered for me was just how cool they are. Like, they are super cool. Why, you ask? <laughs> because... Well, well, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Why? How? Yeah. Because they are, they are literally taking on the issues and challenges of the climate crisis. And they are on the ground with initiatives that are taking on renewable energy sources, making things more efficient, optimizing our, our networks where the things that we need as a society, they are doing. Where unlike other companies that we'll talk about, oh, by 2050, we'll be carbon neutral. You know, 2050 is a long time from now. Mm -hmm. They are working on this stuff right now. And so I want to come back to right now. So we talk about how we simplify their message. We're like, how do we show the world that capital, that national grid is making the right decisions and they're doing it right now and they're doing it on the ground. 
and it led us to the underlying thematic element for that event, and it was doing right now. Mm. Doing the right things. So they're showing the shareholder community they're making the right decisions, they're investing in the right ways. And the fact that they're doing it right now was a key USP. They're not, this is not planning stage. They're not talking about they are, a roadmap of what would happen in 10 years time. Exactly. They are doing the work on the ground right now. And that led to a range of, that exploded what we could do in terms of ideas and how we bring content to life. Just that simple, like key phrase, simplified what they did and into a key message that mm -hmm. that informed all of the experiences from there and, and i guess when you start speaking to an organization like national grid when you talk about we talk about live projects and you know in the events industry you know and, and planning stage you know we've got this next week i'm delivering this event and then the week after i'm delivering that event and the week after I'm delivering, and you i bet when you talk to a, an organization like national grid and you say well what projects are ongoing at the moment i bet if they pulled up their system on any given day and any given week there would be tens if not hundreds of individual projects something happening right. in every part of the uk and U.S. So they also operate in three states on the east coast of the U.S., which adds additional complexity to the story. Wow. And they just acquired a gas distributor network uh, or an energy distributor network, Western Power Distribution. So th there is so much going on. So one of the key things that we decided to do was tell the big story in as simple a way as we can. And then rather than be comprehensive and showing the huge array of projects that they are working on, we decided to pick a few. Let's pick some key stories, very compelling stories about projects they're working on right now. Let's rock star those stories and show that they're indicative of mm. hundreds, if not thousands of projects that National Grid is working on. So that was a, a storytelling device to get across the incredible work that they're doing without bothering to say, here's everything, because everything is overwhelming. And we, yeah. we didn't want to overwhelm the audience. Mm, absolutely. I, I happen to know of one of their projects at the moment, which is local to me in, in where I'm based in Yorkshire. And it's oh. a project that involves taking a significant stretch of the traditional pylons that sit above ground in part of the Peak District and actually taking that cabling and that network and that infrastructure below ground effectively to bring back the natural landscape that was there to, to remove yeah. these pylons. And I know that in, in addition to a lot of the work that they're, they're trying to do from an energy efficiency point of view, there's a lot of work that's going on as well from a landscaping point of view to try and return some of the natural landscapes that were, I suppose, tainted, if that's the right word, with the pylons, the necessary evil of the, the metal pylon decades ago, and with the technology yeah. available to them now from an engineering point of view, can actually return some of these natural landscapes. So I'm just, just curious, because that's that's one that I know of, if, if that yeah. cropped up at all in, in some of the messages you were conveying for them. Well, what did crop up, not that particular project, but what did crop up was the, the different ways that they were taking on some of these challenges. So... Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, one is updating antiquated systems. And I think they have to do that. There's an investment that's required to update things that may be 50 or 60 years old that are no longer efficient, no longer you know, operating in the way that they should and making them much, much more efficient so that they can be what the energy systems, the next energy systems are. They are looking at transforming 
um, old ways of doing energy into new ways. So as an example, I don't have all the details because I'm not an engineer at National Grid, <laughs> but um, we power our homes, most of us, using gas energy. Mm. That is a fossil fuel that is not um, sustainable. And, and they know that and the world knows that. So they're looking to a transition to hydrogen energy, but it's going to use the same infrastructure that we have for gas, but deliver a much more sustainable fuel to power our heat and our stovetops, et cetera. Sure, yeah. So they're looking at that. They're looking at protecting against climate change. So in the, especially in the US, like take the East Coast, where you have very inclement weather conditions, mm -hmm. storms that are getting worse, winters that are getting more severe. That means that they have to reinforce their energy networks to make sure energy systems go, don't go down. Just imagine, you know, it's zero degrees and someone doesn't have any gas going to their home because the energy system hasn't been reinforced. So they're doing that. I mean, it's like, and, and, and they're looking at, offshore energy and how they use that and how energy is stored effectively for long-term use. Like there's just, God, there's so much cool stuff, man. I just, I am, I'm totally turned on by it. As you can tell, like I am a passionate advocate now for a business that I knew nothing about a year ago. And this, this, this is, this is why I suppose why brand experiences and, and brand experience agencies, agencies like yourselves play yeah. such a significant and important role with major organizers and not even major organizations we shouldn't just pigeonhole it for big Anybody. big organizer any organization that wants to get the yeah. message across and link and send a message to their target audience yeah. this is why agencies like yourselves are so important because you bring to it a perspective that maybe national grid when they sit around in their committee office with their senior management maybe wouldn't look at it with the same angle with the same vision with the same ideas that yeah. you guys were coming at it with I mean, I think what's happening with us, at least, and maybe some other agencies like us in this space, is if you look at the hist history of Smile, you could say event production. Fine. And that was the business for many years. But what does that mean? It means producing what someone tells you to produce, essentially. Yeah. So client will say, we want to do this, et cetera, X and Y and Z, and like help us produce it. And we would do it and do a great job of it. We might bring some creative creativity to it to make it look really cool, all that stuff. What has changed? We are now being asked to use, to help the event shape the message of the brand, help the event deliver what the brand actually stands for. And so we become much more strategic and consultative in our conversation with clients because the event becomes a place that they, that they um, announce or reveal the brand or they, they update the brand experience for their audiences. Where I think in the past, there was a lot of, in terms of brand agency, thinking about like a 30 second TV spot. And that was a way to kind of unveil a new brand position. Like think about like Apple in the Olympics ad that they released and that, that reinvented what the brand was about or some Nike ads that have reinvented you know, uh, just do it was it was a was a television yeah. campaign. Joga Bonita campaign, nineteen ninety eight for the World Cup with the Ex Brazil football team. Exactly right. So what's happened now is the events have become that pinnacle moment, rather than a huge broadcast TV spot. Uh, the pinnacle moment has become the event, mm. 
Mm. And so we are now being asked to help shape those huge unveil moments and get the message right. And then what happens afterwards is they take it further. So National Grid, for example, has used our messaging that we worked on with them, our content that we work with that, on with them for the investor day in all kinds of communication since then. Sure, yeah. So I mean, those assets are valuable, I, I would guess. The, some of the assets that you yeah. generated for that day will no doubt be yeah. usable on an ongoing basis, whether it's through their yeah. socials, their internal comms, anything. And I'm working on the next National Grid event that's happening in New York in July right now. And I'm very excited because we have another very interesting thematic message that I think is critical uh, that I cannot reveal. I would love <laughs> to talk about it, mm. but it's not yet totally vetted and it yeah. hasn't come out yet. So, but the point being, it's like we did it for investor day. And now, you know, eight months later, we're looking at the next big event and how does that message evolve into the next thing that they say to their, to their audiences. Sure. So I'm really excited about that. Something I really wanted to ask today um, related to the scheduling of something like an investor day. It is called an investor day. It takes place on a single day, I, I would presume. Um, now, traditionally, if you were to take something like this and they were organizing it internally, they would have their, you know, good morning speeches and welcome to the conference. They would have some content. They'd have some coffee break or lunch and they would come up with a schedule and okay that would they think that works how much thought do you as an agency then put into working with the client on something like the national grid investor day on the structure of the day itself so the timing and when things happen and i'm going to use the musical analogy because i know that's really applicable to, to to me to you to people who are out there but you know when you when you record an album a band puts a lot of effort into the the track listing what order do they want the audience to listen to those songs in when they put a live set list together they really want the audience to get an experience at the end of it that brings them to a crescendo at the end of that gig that starts with a bang that ends with a bang and tells a story from beginning to end how much of that do you bring into these sort of brand experience days yeah um these days more and more and i think it is a collaboration with clients but i do think they look to us as experts in curating that journey um, and especially with hybrid. So I'm going to come back to that because mm. that was, that had a huge impact on agenda planning for this event. But to answer your question, yes, more and more, we are being asked to help us structure the day or structure the event in a way that will be compelling and interesting. And was you said, have emotional peaks throughout. They could be the beginning, they could be the end. I'm working with another client right now and we just had this conversation on Friday uh, last week, which was like, how do we find those key emotional, high emotion moments within this journey? Um, because it is, it is a, an, an, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It is intellect and emotion coming together. So for Investor Day, we also had to consider hybrid, which meant we had people in the room and we had people online. And we didn't want to do this thing where there's a camera in the back of the room and the people online are like, oh, I guess I'm in the audience and I'm seeing what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. They needed to feel involved and, and feel as connected to the experience as others, especially because we were still in the middle of the pandemic and we knew we weren't going to get people traveling in. We knew that there was a, a VIP audience that was going to be joining virtually. 
So we had to treat them as such. Mm -hmm. uh, so we also wanted to create a sense of intimacy um, with our speakers. So we had, I think, four or five speakers, people giving talks. Um, we had, a, we had a, a general session keynote with CEO, CFO, and others. And we had breakout sessions in which different regions of their business, of the, of the world came together and did their like thing in these breakouts. So what did we do? So we had about 100 people live in the room. And so, yes, we had the big opener. And the big opener was for our digital audience and our online audience. We had a really awesome video that in the room came to life across three screens. We also didn't want it to be a camera in the back for our digital audience. So we found a way to bring that video front and center for them online. So it's thinking about quality experiences for both audiences, even though those experiences are different. We then did question and answer where we had live Q&A with people in the live audience and a curated digital Q&A of somebody taking questions and bringing them to life in the physical environment from virtual attendees. Mm -hmm. Now's where it gets even more interesting. We wanted to do breakouts that felt like you could have an intimate dialogue with a breakout speaker. So we took those 100 people in the room, we divided them up and said, we're going to put you into groups of, I don't know, 25 people, and you're going to rotate around these breakout sessions so that you, each of the breakout speakers had to repeat their talk to a different audience, but that audience would rotate around this environment. We created these cool breakout speaking, uh, breakout session uh, rooms mm -hmm. within, we were at the, um, uh, we were at the Excel London. Sure. Then we had our virtual audience. And how, what did we do for them? We took the audience out of the room, the live audience, and we put a camera crew in the room and rotated the camera crew around so that the breakout session for virtual was targeted only at people online. So it Brilliant. wasn't, I'm talking to a live audience and then I'm looking at you or I'm mostly talking to a live audience and oh yeah, people online are also watching. Mm -hmm. It was like straight to camera. You know, I'm giving this presentation just as I'm looking at you right now. Like I'm looking right in your eyes right now, straight to camera. Down the barrel. Exactly. For that sense of intimacy. That meant we had to coach speakers. So they understood like, here's what it is when people are in the room. And here's how you're going to do this to camera. Lots of rehearsals, lots of practice, even in that general session. Like it was almost like um, a talk show host. The, person, the, the CEO had to talk to the people and deliver intimacy in the room and then say to the people at home, I'm really glad you're joining. I'm so glad you're here. Please ask questions. I'm talking directly to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's a new way of thinking about an agenda and a plan to allow for all audiences to get value out of the experience, for all of them to go on this journey with us. And at the end, of course, as you said, we brought everyone back together and we did a panel discussion on stage and for virtual audiences to enjoy this um, resounding closing moment. Sure. And then I'll tell you afterwards, because it doesn't work as well virtually, we did, we, uh, we served some food and drinks and people hung out at the, at the Excel space, but otherwise the virtual audience who doesn't really want to hang out for hours and hours and hours, we let them go. So <laughs> that, that, that's what, that, 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 that's the flexibility it offers, isn't it? Is, is that yeah. if you, if you want to, you can fit in a virtual attendance into a busy schedule 
easier than you could fit in an actual attendance and and forget about the travel it's it's the peripherals that go with that it's arriving and having that coffee for half an hour which you don't have yeah. to do if you're attending virtually it's staying for the drinks and the canapes afterwards which is great yeah. if you've got the time to do that but you know you can you can slot it into your schedule uh, uh, you know much better i'm curious to ask about some of the um when you talk about you know the the, the, the virtual breakout rooms having the cameras and everything and and that's obviously one element of it having the right platform to actually then push that content out to is is of equal importance and um yeah. it, 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 in my role working on the event tech live production team i know that we've used a, a number of different platforms to deliver sort of virtual aspects of, of, of the event uh, what's your experience been like in terms of researching and using some of these hybrid event platforms to communicate the content yeah well, um, I'm not sure I agree with the term hybrid event platform because I don't think any of them have nailed it yet when it comes to hybrid. But that said, um, we are so smile as an agency and as a creative partner, we made the decision to not bet on any one platform to be technology agnostic because that allows us all kinds of flexibility when it comes to you come up with a creative idea and approach, and then you find the right technology solution to match it. In the case of the National Grid experience, we use the Visibo platform, sure. uh, which is one of our favorites. Uh, it's mm -hmm. very flexible. It does a lot of what, what we want it to do. It delivers video very well. Um, but it's but I'm not endorsing it over others because we have used others effectively as well. Sure. Yeah. We just thought it was the right solution for that event. Does it, from a, a, an operational point of view with your own team, that's obviously a big commitment to make to remain agnostic from a tech point of view, because that, that means you effectively, to, to, do that effect, to do that job correctly, you need to be familiar or commit to putting the time in to become familiar with the platform that may be right for that particular client. Yeah, there's a few things that you're talking about, which are all truisms. I think, first of all, we've built an innovation practice at Smile, which we call D-Lab. And D-Lab is continually looking at new tools and technologies. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and I'm part of the team. We are evaluating stuff on an ongoing basis. As you know, there's been an explosion in tools. We can't look at everything. But if we think something is viable or offers something different, or sometimes if the client's like, do you guys use this tool? We're like, what is this thing? We have to figure it out and spend some time with it. And so we do this vetting process so that when we have a creative idea, we've already done this analysis of the tools to ensure that they are credible and usable and do something interesting. Sure. However, we also have a thing where like take Bizabo, for example, I, I am no expert in Bizabo, but I know enough that I can have a conversation with you or with a client to talk about in general terms what the functionality of this tool is versus others. I'm a generalist. I am not a specialist. But we have at Smile people who have done now hundreds of events on Visibo or hundreds of events on Pathable or Swapcard or some of these other tools. We have people are who really get the details of the platform and know how to maximize and get the most out of it. Mm. And so you need both. I think any agency person you need the generalist who kind of can have a superficial view, but enough knowledge to advise someone on here are some of the tools you can use. But you need the specialist who can get that stuff done and knows how to make it work. That's good. It just as, as a sort of a, a slight digression off that, that, that train of thought, are there agencies out there, and you don't have to name them, but are there agencies out there who will just nail their colors to the mask and say, look, we just use that one platform 
you know that's that's what we use i don't know is the answer okay i don't okay. I, I don't know there probably are i mean i think you know yeah i just don't know if i knew yeah. i don't have because my, my instinct is is very much that, that, that this is the way you guys are doing it is is the more difficult way as we said because you have to be familiar with a number of different platforms but ultimately that is retaining yeah. your focus on providing the best service for what the client's objectives are and finding yeah. the best solution for them which is ultimately what we've always done in the events industry be it you know virtual hybrid or other it's about yeah. finding the right you know if, if if you've got to build a stage in a venue or in a field somewhere you have to find the right one for that particular event and the client you know you well, don't just exactly say, right. this you is don't... our stage and this is what we will put up anywhere that's right you you build an experience off of a creative idea and then you find the right place to have that so if it's a if it's a live event you're going to plan the experience and then select the venue, I hope, to some degree. Sometimes you are stuck with a venue and you're like, okay, I've got to reskin this thing and make the most out of it. But I would much rather come up with the ideas and then find the location versus the other way around. Absolutely. Um, just just, just finally, before we, we, we wrap up today's episode, Dax, um, something that I jotted down before we came on, on air and started this recording today about brand experiences and um, Rightly or wrongly, I, I have this sort of um, assumption when I see the term brand experience, I always think of, you know, big, huge Coca-Cola and Nike and Apple, you know, they're doing brand interaction and they're doing br live brand experience events. Does it necessarily have to be a major company or, or does it have to be targeting thousands of people or hundreds of people from a brand experience point of view? How how small can it, you know, effectively become now when you're talking about organizing and working with a client to deliver a brand experience for them? You know, it's an interesting question you ask, because in my, my, my point of view is that any activate activation or activity or event is a brand experience. So you have to, in, in my view, you have to consider what is our brand experience strategy no matter what we are doing so even if it's a webinar or even if it's a small stand at an within an exhibit hall mm -hmm. the expectation of the audience that you're interacting with is that you are representing the brand that means your people your message your design all of it has to be thoughtfully curated meaning you have to understand like what are we delivering? Why are we delivering it? What does it mean to interact with this brand? And how can we do that effectively? So I, I, anytime I work on an experience or an event with a client, one of the key questions is, what do we want people to say about this brand as a result? Hmm. That requires us to think about it like a brand experience. Because any interaction that a human being has with a company or, or a representative of that company affects their perception of the brand of all sizes, even if it's a tweet, an email, everything. Mm. So we own in the event space certain touch points. We have to deliver them with that mindset of what is the key thing about the brand? What sets us apart? What makes us distinct? And how do we make sure we're delivering that through all interactions and touch points and content connected to that experience. So I don't, I'm not sure I totally answered your question. No, no you, um, what, what you've done is effectively open a, another can of, of podcast worms, <laughs> so to speak, because <laughs> you, you, I was just about to use the phrase touch points. And that's a whole other discussion of the, the touch point journey with brands now, because 
you know, maybe we get you back on and this is a, a whole other subject to have a, uh, we'd love to pick your brains on this and see what you think. But, you know, when I look at touch points now, you know, you buy something, you register the product, you know, I just bought a new plug for Son Sonos speaker. It arrives, yeah. you register it in your account and then you probably get an email from Sonos and it says, you know, thank you for buying this new product. And, you know, all of these elements are touch points, you know, the communication, the follow up, when you register your warranty for yeah. a new piece of equipment or hardware or whatever you've just got for your, for your home. Um, there yeah, are all, I mean, they are all just, opportunities, aren't they, for that, for that brand to engage. I also just bought a Sonos speaker. It's so funny you said that because <laughs> I got the package, right? I got an email immediately. Package mm -hmm. has been delivered. I opened up the box. Everything in that box just about is recyclable. Yeah. Everything. Immediately turn it on, connect it to the app, immediately, like easily, intuitively set it all up. I'm like, this is a really thoughtful, curated experience. Nothing fell flat for me in the installation of that. Mm -hmm. And so it's exactly what you're saying, which is we have a responsibility to deliver on the customer expectation or, or prospect expectation or even employee expectation across everything that we do as marketers. One thing lets them down, they could be gone. People yeah. are fickle. We have to maintain all of them. So we can't, I'm thinking about an expo stand. If I could walk up to an expo stand and that person I'm talking to is like super slick, like terrible, you know, don't want to talk to this person. I'm done, man. Like that, that one bad interaction has sullied my entire perception relationship with the brand. Absolutely. So we have to keep it. We have to deliver at every single touch point. Well, well, well you've, you've reminded me there of, you know, people are fickle. And, and suddenly I thought about that. I've just Googled the, the old Ferris Bueller quote, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that's never more true now. Uh, what Ferris Bueller said in 1983, six or seven you know um we are fickle people you know and life does move fast and if we're not satisfied bang we're on to the next thing quickly Pe people will so get dropped true. and this is a whole yeah. other discussion dax for another podcast we'll get it you is. back on we we've been talking today to dax kalner the strategy director at smile about this great um project that they worked on with the national grid for their national grid investor day um a hybrid event um dax presumably if if people want to find out a bit more um, is there anything on, on your website or anything like that? People can, can see what you guys are up to? Oh, yeah. We have a case study for this particular project. There is a case study live on the website, including a video interview with the client talking about the project. So it's a really nice case study to check out. Our website is smile.co.uk. Fantastic. Um, we've, we've just popped that link up on, onto the screen for anybody watching this today. And, and smile.co.uk, just for clarify, uh, clarity, S-M-Y-L-E. .co.uk, if you want to go and check out that case study on this particular project. Um, Dax, great to catch up with you again. Uh, thanks for, you. for taking a bit of time out of the day to um, to give us a bit of insight into that particular project and uh, and stay in touch. Let's get uh, let's get you back on. Let's talk about some of these touch points. I think the the touch point Happy journey to. from brand experiences and and certainly from uh, you know brand events is, is key because you know you do interaction, you do stuff in you know I'm going to use a, the cliche of of, of the pop-up at Westfield or you know the the, the shopping center yeah. somewhere uh you know there are so many more opportunities now to continue those touch points and that customer journey beyond that initial live interaction and I think that's um a conversation worth having on another episode so we look forward sure. to it Dax thanks for joining us today and we'll see you again soon thank you
And uh, as I said, if you're watching today's episode, we've obviously put some links up onto the screen and uh, you can uh, go and watch all of the episodes of the podcast in video format via eventindustrynews.com. That is, of course, if you are listening to us today via one of your audio streams, um, head over to eventindustrynews.com, check out the video versions and check out some of the features, news and supplements that are on the Event Industry News website whilst you are there. If you are already watching this and you would like to tune in and listen to some of our podcasts in their audio only format just go to wherever you get your podcasts from search for the event industry news podcast and you'll be able to find us and listen to you listen to us whilst you're out and about or on your commute now that the live events industry is very much back and buoyant again that brings us to the end of today's episode it's been a pleasure talking to our friend dax colner again from smile we'll see you on the next edition of the event industry news podcast thanks very much everybody and goodbye mm-hmm.